Welcome to the Dietitian's Dish Podcast. We are Gina and Nicole, two dietitian mamas and good friends living in Ohio and Michigan. This is a podcast dedicated to making whole family wellness more fun and less stressful. Whether you're listening in the car or slumped on the couch with a glass of wine, welcome. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us. I'm Gina. And I'm Nicole. And today we are dishing about health halos. But first, let's do some catching up. Nicole, I really haven't talked to you in forever. So what's going on? Uh, getting ready for spring breaks or like, uh, you know, April is quickly approaching and we've decided to remain in the U.S. along with most people, it sounds like. And we are going to Key West. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a conversation with somebody who kind of freaked me out and they said, oh, my mom lives in Key West. And she said it's never been busier and they're just really expecting, you know, spring break craziness. And mm-hmm. then I got to doing some research and I heard the beaches aren't the best. Anyway. So I bring all these concerns to Mark, you know, just basically, is this the right choice? And he was like, Nicole, our resort has 100 rooms. Even if we just stay on our balcony and hang out at the pool, it's going to be eight in the 80s. And yeah, it's kid free time. So we're going and it's going to be good. I'm like, OK, so we're going. And then he said that this friend said that getting like reservations for dinner is going to be really tough. And obviously we prefer to do like outdoor dining for all of the reasons. Um, Mm -hmm. So Mark and I came home and we both have uh, open table accounts and we booked like double booked restaurants every single night um, just so that we have options of, Mm. you know, what we want to do. So we're, you know, I won't say guaranteed, but we're we're not going to go hungry. Not that that was like an actual concern, but, you know, I just don't want to deal with crowds and I just... I, that's not what I want on vacation. Right. Yeah. Super looking forward to that. Um, a Netflix show I would strongly recommend. I, there's some some differing opinions on this, whether people like the book Firefly Lane better or the Netflix series. I read the book first, loved it. And then mm. I think the show is is really good. I don't know. Okay. Is it? I've heard of the book. I I didn't know it was a show. I, at least I don't think I did. I'll have to add that to my list. Though. I'm Googling it. I don't think it, I don't th- think the book is called Firefly. Firefly. Is it called Firefly Lane? I don't is know. It-, it does sound familiar. Maybe I've seen it on Netflix pop up. I. It does look very familiar, though. Um, It's it's a Kristen Hanna book. Love okay. it. I, I love the book. I like the series. I'm not done with the series yet, but um, and a couple book racks. I really like The Vanishing Half and I'm reading Midnight Library right now. I think it has better reviews than I would give it, but it still is very good. And just okay. a reminder to everyone to give us your Q&A questions. That episode is coming up. So uh, reach out over social media or shoot us an email. However, is best to get in touch. What's yeah, going we've on already got you? quite a bit. I think oh, we yeah, have about we five questions already. So that's, that's pretty good. I'm, I'm excited for that one. We can always, I mean, we do them all the time. So any, if we get extra questions, which always would be nice, we can use them for another episode. So yeah, please send them in. We're always putting together Q&As when we can. Yeah, I really. So I have a question. Spring break. Are your kids on spring break? What why, What are you calling spring break? Yeah, we always travel when the kids are off school. Okay. Just because both of our works tend to kind of shut down during that week. So okay. it's just really easiest for everybody to travel. So we're not pulling anybody from school and we're not missing mm-hmm. insanity at work. So yeah. See, our kids don't have spring break yet because they're not in they're not in elementary school. They're at, they're still at that private, you know, preschool slash kindergarten, and they don't even have a spring break. Their spring break is a Friday and a Monday, 
I guess oh. over a long weekend. Yeah. So we have no reason to even take off or do anything. Uh, but, and also I'm still at that point in my, in my job where I don't get enough vacation days to go on more than one vacation because I have to use probably about 10 days generally for vacation on days that my kids are off, like random days in the middle of the year mm-hmm. that I have to stay home with them. Or, and I also like to take off a week for Christmas. So, but in two years that will change. I'll have two additional weeks of vacation and I am just, and How then many weeks do you get now? Two. So I get three. Oh, okay. Yeah, I get three. So 15 days, three, five day weeks, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I use one of those for Christmas, one of them for our vacation that we go on. And then I have another one that I kind of split up throughout the year. Again, days that maybe they have off that I have to take off or maybe we'll go on like a, a long weekend trip where we leave on Friday and stay till Monday, things like that. So I don't really have any extra days. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in two years, like I said, I'm going to get 10 uh-huh. more days and I just can't wait. Because at that point, they will be in elementary school. They'll have a week long spring break. Although I just, I've never been someone who likes to travel during spring break. I actually mm-hmm. try not to do that. That's my, my, I can't, I can't, like you said, I can't stand crowds. Even when I was a kid, we never traveled for spring break. We would always travel on off times. First of all, it's cheaper. Second mm-hmm. of all, I don't want to be surrounded by a bunch of people. I don't want to be, you know, pushed and shoved. And oh, I, I just, ah, uh, mm-hmm. I need, I need just more quiet and peaceful atmosphere. That's how I've always been. Clearly, that's how my parents are too. We never, it's one of the reasons why it's hard on the weekends for us to do anything in Columbus because everything is always so busy. It's one of the things that I liked about when, when we visited you you just live in a, in a smaller area. There's not as many people. And it's just, it's very clear and in a good way. Uh, you go like berry picking and you're not, you know, pushing and shoving people to get, you know, the berry that you see on the ground. I swear that's what it's like here. I am not even kidding you. I know that sounds ridiculous, but everything is always so packed. That's oh why we go God. to dinner at like four, especially now with COVID. I, that's definitely changed how we, how we deal with things um, this year. But we've always been like that. We'll go to the zoo at 10 right when it opens and then it starts getting busy around an hour after opening. Um, so we get a good hour of it not being very busy. Hey, you anyway. guys are braving Disney. I mean, I know. And, and we're going, I, I actually spoke to several people. I said, when is the least busy time? And they, they gave me two people actually gave me the exact same date week in the year. So we went with it and that's what we chose. And when is I that? hate crowds. It is the first week, second week of February. Okay. Yeah. So that's when we're going next year. Um, again, one reason is because of COVID. Of course, I would assume by next year, everyone's going to be vac- vaccinated. Of course, in Florida, who knows how that's going to be. But also, I've just never liked crowds. I am not someone who thrives in crowded air. I don't like going to concerts. Oh, that's just, mm, no. Especially with kids. Especially with kids. Anyway, other than that, there's really, like, <coughs> excuse me, we've had some COVID woes going on here. We'll just say that I don't have COVID. No one in my family has COVID, but we've just been dealing with some COVID woes. I'll just keep it at that. Very beautiful weather around here. So gorgeous. And, you know, Cameron got a bounce house for his birthday. And let me tell you, that thing has been up every day since he got that thing two weeks ago. Uh, And it is just, if you want to, it's okay. So it's a little bit pricey. I think it was around $250 on Amazon. It's a must. If you can afford it, um, you know, maybe put away some cash every month. I'm telling you, that keeps those kids busy. The, the neighbor kids will come over and play with it. Now, granted, I still sometimes wonder if we should have just gotten, 
a uh, a trampoline. Of course, I we did not buy the bouncy house. By the way, this was a gift for him. Um, but looking back, I should have bought this forever ago. I, it was the best gift ever. But a trampoline, something else. I've always considered putting up for the kids as well. But anyway, it's just really fun. They've been enjoying the heck out of it. We do have a giant patch of dead grass <laughs> on our lawn, but whatever. The kids are having fun. Yeah, but link, other than link that, that in the show notes for us. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah, it's on Amazon. It's little tykes, but I will definitely put it in the show notes. All right. Okay. So is that all that, that we have to catch up on? I feel like it's been forever, but we've got nothing. No. <laughs> Life is boring these Life days, truly. Boring. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So before we begin, just a quick favor to ask if you like this podcast please write us a review. Reviews on iTunes are everything to us and they really help us reach more people and we'd appreciate it very much. Uh, and even if you just want to tap on the stars, I know someone did that recently, which was great. You don't even have to write anything. Just make our day with a review. All right, so an introduction to today's topic. We're talking about health halos. So in my previous life as a grocery store dietitian, one of the best jobs ever, I focused a lot on what we call health halos. Foods or specific labels that marketing campaigns work really hard to make us think that are nutritious, but really aren't as health promoting as you might think. Back then, when I was a grocery store dietitian, I probably approached it the wrong way. Looking back, I may have made people feel guilty for falling for media scams or marketing rubbish. I think I was just a different dietitian back then for sure. This stuff really does still exist, but my mindset is different now and that I like to make the public aware of when an item may not be all that it's made out to be, but never would I want anyone to feel guilty about making a certain choice. We would never say, I think you would agree as well, a food should be off limits unless it's poisonous or unless you're allergic to it. Uh, today's episode is purely for informational purposes with a goal of simply raising your awareness. All the foods we talk about today still fit into a healthy diet. We are simply here to educate and in some instances, give you some alternative options. After we discuss health halos, we will briefly discuss some foods that have also been or that have been demonized, but are actually quite health promoting. And I thought, what could we call those? Maybe health horns instead of a health halo, it's a health horn. So in other words, you might consider it not a very healthy, balanced food option, but in reality, me, Gina, or you, Nicole, might actually consider it a healthier food. Um, so yeah, so we'll do a little bit of both, but we're mainly going to focus on those health halos, those foods that maybe sound really health promoting and nutrient dense, but maybe aren't as nutrient dense as you think. So let's get started. We act I actually divided these into categories by food group, and we're going to start with fruits and vegetables. So fruit and vegetable products. I mean, there's not one fruit and vegetable out there that is not very nutrient dense and good for you. So we're obviously, we're not really going to name any fruit and vegetables, but fruit and vegetable products. Absolutely. And do you want to get started, Nicole? Or do you uh, want me to? <clears throat> Maybe we can go back and forth because we have a similar one. That sounds good. Yeah, I did notice that. Yeah. So we'll go ahead. Go ahead. All right. Um, I think one, and somebody mentioned it recently to me because they gave it to my kids, is Annie's fruit snacks. Mm. Um, don't you think that, I think Annie's is just brilliant with their marketing. Don't they just look healthy, like the boxes? Absolutely. She gets I, me every time. Every time. Well, here's the ingredients. <laughs> Number one is tapioca syrup, cane sugar, tapioca syrup solids, pear juice concentrate, water, pectin, sunflower oil, and wax. Mm. Um <laughs> 
And then the label reads organic, gluten-free, vegan, 50% of your daily vitamin, um, daily value of vitamin C made with real fruit juice, even though it's like the fourth ingredient. Uh, mm-hmm. ni- no high fructose corn syrup, no artificial flavors or synthetic colors and non-GMO. I just mm-hmm. love that one. To me, that's <laughs> like, um, I don't, I am not a fruit snack mom. They get them at school because um, they, in kindergarten, you take turns, like on your leader day, you bring snacks. So I know Shay gets a ton of them and I'm sure Piper does too. Are you uh-huh. a fruit snack mom? No, I'm not. Nope. No? No. Uh-uh. I never have been. I Not to say that I don't buy them for my kids if they want them every once in a while. They probably had, we've probably had two boxes of fruit snacks in this house our, their entire lives. Not to say, now, that being said, we have, you know, a thing of gummy bears upstairs. So we, I guess we don't buy the fruit snacks. We just buy the real candy. You know, mm-hmm. we, it's, it's the same exact thing. Okay. So maybe it's not free of high fructose corn syrup or made with real fruit juice, but whatever. It's, it's, it's got the same exact, um, you know, nutrition label as a, as a yeah. organic Annie's fruit snack. I think the takeaway here that is on the front of the package when it says made with real fruit, yeah, raise an eyebrow, flip it over. Chances are that's not a real important. Uh, it's, it's not really it, anything. Pear uh, juice concentrate doesn't doesn't count as real fruit. I am so sorry, friends. After <laughs> the two main ingredients of sugar. And, exactly. and pear juice concentrate is sugar. Take mm-hmm. pear juice, concentrate it down. It's sugar. That's what it is. Ay, ay, ay. I know you and, and again, I were going back and forth about what was the, it was lactose versus yes, um, sucrose. Sucrose. Yes. We were, we were <laughs> having a text debate over types of sugar. All right. Anyway, Gina, what's, what's, yeah. a, what's one of yours? Another one, veggie chips. And I know you have this one on your list as well. Okay, here's the thing. I feel like unless you're buying veggie chips like Terra chips that are actually made of something like sweet potatoes or beets, you know, that makes it unique and different from an actual just potato chip made with white potatoes, it, it's, it's pointless. Veggie chips are pulverized spinach and other veggies that lose all nutritional value after processing. And their first ingredient is typically potato, making them just a less fat version of potato chips. So for example, baked Lay's essentially. Again, not to say I don't buy these. I do. I think what I'm trying to say here and what we're trying to say with all these is don't buy them thinking, oh, my kids are getting a serving of vegetables in these. No, that would. there's not even any fiber in these. I would say that there's zero nutrients. In fact, I believe I looked at the vitamin A, vitamin C, and there's zero in the ones that we have. Because again, we do buy these. We buy veggie chips. They're tasty. They're salty. They're crunchy. They're a nice little snack to throw at your kids. I just wouldn't consider them a vegetable. And I'll add to that. So veggie straws, uh, Mm -hmm. which are so good. I love them. They're so good. Like you said, number first ingredient is potato um, or potato starch or flour. And then next is usually oil. The coloring, mm-hmm. you're like, oh, it's a, it's basically like a, a broccoli <laughs> stick. No, right. it's, it's actually, it, it's spinach powder or beetroot flour. And then the, mm. the yellow ones is actually turmeric. So you're not getting, there is actually no vegetable other than potato in veggie straws. Yeah. And, and, and it's not like they're putting enough turmeric because, you know, we think of turmeric anti-inflammatory. I guarantee there's not even close to the amount that you need to actually have a benefit. (laughs) Yeah. You know how, I mean, turmeric is bright yellow and it's a very pale yellow when you get your chip. (laughs) Well, and to your point, Gina, you said that, I don't, what did you say? 
I don't even remember where I was going with that. Okay. But anyway, of individual <laughs> back. Oh, you said they're lower in fat. Yes. Mm-hmm. And because of that, as we've talked about on the show, the sodium typically goes up. So an individual bag of veggie straws, let's say, which is not <laughs> just like a getting started for me because they're so addicting, um, mm-hmm. is about 300 milligrams of sodium. And to your point, not a single gram of fiber. Yeah. Yeah. But I do buy them. I keep them yeah. in my desk. Uh-huh. They're crunchy. They're good. Yep. Yeah. Just don't don't consider them a serving. Don't don't check off your serving of vegetable for the day. <laughs> it's like a All potato right, chip. It's yeah, a snack exactly. food. It's not. I think vegetable. of it as a baked leg because it is a less fat version of, of a potato chip. Absolutely. All right. So pouches. I don't know if you're going to agree with me on this one, Nicole, but I understand the concept. I do. Convenience. That's really the concept, right? I don't understand, though, why we are teaching our kids how to eat pureed vegetables from a pouch. I truly don't understand it. I can understand it for a child who is new to eating, but after the age one slash one and a half, I do not understand. I also would say be warned, many of the pouches have added sugars or apple or other fruit concentrates, which are essentially sugar added for sweetness, even the ones that you don't think would be sweet. I don't know. What are your thoughts on pouches? I don't get it. So my issue with pouches is they have to taste good, right? I mean, that's the goal in most of them. Sure, the the first foods, they'll have like the pea pouch or whatever. But Mm -hmm. once, like you said, that above one or even younger than that when parents just like throw a pouch at their kids, which I I have definitely done as well. The danger in that is they're all sweet. Mm -hmm. All the vegetable kind of the... The ones that are marketed as more vegetables still have, even if it's corn, there's something in there to help sweeten it. And that is just teaching young taste buds to expect that sweetness. We know all taste buds love sweet, fats, all all of those things, but you're really not preparing your child for a well-rounded palate when you disguise all vegetables under something sweet. That's like saying exactly. my kids eat vegetables because I throw a handful down. of spinach in their smoothie. Like that's not the same. Like they're not developing that <laughs> yeah. appreciate that I don't know palate for vegetables. Yeah, the appreciation of the of the flavor, the texture. Exactly, it, it's good. They're getting the nutrients from the spinach mm-hmm. when you put it in a smoothie. That's great. But you're not teaching them to enjoy and why they they should enjoy and you know savor spinach. Or if I mean, I'm not saying they have to, but. How will they know? They they could probably go to class and say, I've never even had spinach, but actually yeah. they have and they have no idea. Uh, so it's something that we'll talk about with on our next episode, actually, with Megan McNamee uh, from Feeding Littles. It's, I'm excited about that one. What else? Oh, I, I know that I've mm-hmm. seen, I have some friends with older kids, you know, who are, you know, four and five who are still eating the pouches. I'm just like, I don't get it. Again, convenience, sure. But, you know, an everyday snack, I just, I, I don't understand it. I love right. that they're clean. Like if I'm giving the kids applesauce in the car, I'll give it in a pouch. I don't care. Yes. Oh, I thought you meant like a clean label. I was like, wait oh, a second. No. Like <laughs> they can make it into their mouth without. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I agree. I agree. And you know, applesauce, I certainly, an applesauce here and there in the pouch, absolutely. It's applesauce. They're they're basically slurping it from a spoon when they eat it out of a cup anyway. It's the same thing. Uh, but even some of the applesauce pouches, they are just heavenly, have heavily sweetened. So it's essentially like slurping up a thick cup of juice is what it is. That's how I think of it. Anyway, moving on. What about dairy alternatives or dairy products? What do you have? Um, I'm not a ton. I would yeah. say just nut milks in general are pretty um, glorified nutritionally. 
And mm-hmm. I will say that they just often had a, have a lot of added sugar if you're if you're not if you're buying like the original, let's say, um, mm-hmm. and you're not flipping it over to just look at that. So just for an example, one cup of original soy milk has seven grams of added sugar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yes, it doesn't have the natural lactose, but it is when when we consider that there are recommendations at least around added sugars in the diet, I feel like that's an area where they can easily creep in on people and they just don't simply don't realize it. So I think it's one of those that just needs a bit more consideration. Yeah. And I think also on that same on that same topic with the nut milks, you also have to be careful what kind of what my my first one here, vegan yogurts, so essentially nut yogurts or dairy alternative yogurts or milk. A lot of times they don't even have if you're if you're using it to make up for the lack of dairy or yogurt in your diet because those, you know, dairy yogurt does have a lot of essential nutrients, potassium, calcium, vitamin D. A lot of times the alternatives don't even have close to that same amount of amount of, of those nutrients. And we talked about that on our on our episode mm-hmm. about dairy alternatives. They don't have that much protein, if any. They don't have calcium or even enough. They're getting better at that, I would say. Companies are, are fortifying a lot more now. Uh, but vitamin D, although we did also find out that even just regular cow's milk yogurt also is often lacking vitamin D. Mm-hmm. But it's not just about the sugar. It's also just the lack of really potassium, calcium, vitamin D, protein that you can find in that dairy, those dairy products. So just be vigilant about looking at your label for sure. And I love how I said nut milks and then reference soy milk. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even think about that. (laughs) Yes, I realize soy is is not a nut. Oh, my gosh. I'm not fully caffeinated yet. Sorry. You know, have you ever had other good ones? Yeah, although I'm realizing I have fat-free, well, fat, fat-free cheese. I think that is a no-brainer. I believe we talked about this one on a, mm-hmm. oh, when we were talking with Alyssa and Brooke about foods that we used to recommend, yeah. but we would never recommend anymore. Now, again, there are people who need to follow, for health reasons, a very low-fat diet. And I respect the choice for fat-free cheese. It isn't, you know, if you if you just feel like you have to have cheese and it's the only one you can have, that's one thing. But I am just one of those dietitians and just people in general who would always sit, recommend and choose for myself the light or low fat over the fat free and then just consume less of it. I do have high cholesterol. I have I do know that I need to watch the fat in my diet. I'm not counting grams of fat or anything like that, but I think about it before I choose things at the grocery store. I all I almost always will opt for the light or low fat version of something, but fat-free cheese, it just doesn't melt. You know, it sticks to the roof of your mouth um, when you bite into it. I just, I just think I used to, oh my gosh, I used to, this was back in my very disordered eating days. I would take a rice cake and put that, you know, the sliced Velveeta cheese. Is it Velveeta? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would buy the fat-free slices of Velveeta, the Swiss or the American cheese and put it on a rice cake and put, this is so gross and put mustard on top of it. Oh gosh. And I would bite into it. I can still remember it sticking to the roof of my mouth like rubber. Oh, there's better fat-free. That's a terrible example of a fat-free cheese. That's probably one of the worst, but I really truly have never had a good fat-free cheese. I always recommend the low fat or the lesser fat basically. Uh, What else? Oh, and then I, something else I added in here, and I haven't seen them as much, is the yogurt with added fiber. For a while there, they were marketing this stuff all the time. You know, yogurt now with fiber. And here's my my issue with the yogurt with fiber. 
It's one thing if you're choosing it to get more prebiotics in your diet because the fiber they add to yogurt is typically typically inulin or chicory root, which is a prebiotic. Prebiotics are food for your probiotics, your good bacteria. So that's a good, they have a symbiotic relationship. It's actually kind of nice sometimes that they add that fiber to yogurt because it, it does work together. Where it can become an issue is if you're choosing that to make up for the lack of fiber in your diet because you don't like fruits, vegetables, whole grains, because it's just not going to have the same effect on your body as that kind of intact fiber in those whole fruits, vegetables, and whole grains. It does not do the same things for you. So just keep that in mind. I think that's why I added that in here. It's different than getting fiber from those other foods, but it does have a benefit. Just don't choose it as your only way of getting your, you know, 25 to 35 grams of fiber. Plus that sounds really painful coming from someone with IBS. Woo. I get so angry when I eat a thing of yogurt and realize it has chicory root in it. Just for me, I just, oh, it makes me so mad. I had a patient tell me she's going to this. I, I don't even know. It, it's some health seminar thing for that. I, I don't even know. It's not a dietitian that's doing it. It's a nurse. Mm-hmm. Um, not saying that nurses don't have nutrition knowledge, but she followed up with me and she said she was recommended to eat 40 to 50 grams of fiber a day. And that the nurse was telling these attendees to um, add a spoonful, no quantity, just a spoonful, that's very vague, of beans to every meal. To every meal? That's what she was told to do. And I I was just, I just shake my head like, how, how is this okay anyway? Um, But (laughs) I wonder what her issue was. I it just, depends on what they were trying to solve for. I, I, it does sound like way, way too much, but maybe she had an issue that clearly she was constipated. I mean, that's my guess. Well, but you're, she's telling this to a room of 30 people and oh. 40 to 50 grams of fiber may be okay if you work. But if you go from eating 10 grams of fiber a day to 40, oh you're going to have mm. real problems. <laughs> you're going to be needing a suppository and fast. <laughs> And that's just a lot. I mean, that's above American Heart Association recommendations. I, I mean, that not that that's necessarily wrong again, but that's a challenging, lofty goal to, that I don't know. And, and, I, and I forgot you were saying that was at a conference. So that was, t- I can just see, you know, there's probably 10 people in that conference who are still today trying to figure out, how do I add a scoop of beans to my pancakes in the morning? How do I add a scoop of beans to my, you know, you name it. That's that's the kind of thing people people will grasp onto this information and they will do anything to, you know, to do it and make it work. Oh, gosh. All right. <laughs> Next on our list is meat slash meat alternatives. And I'll go ahead and start with the Beyond Burger and Impossible Burger. Here's my thing. When it comes to blood cholesterol or heart health, the Beyond Burger has five grams of saturated fat, which is actually more than a 90-10 or 93-7 real beef patty. So it actually has more saturated fat than those versions of a beef patty, but less than probably what you're more used to, which is an 80-20 or even I think they make like a 73-27 um, or something like that. So it's, it's kind of right in the middle. So in other words, you can find a beef patty that has less saturated fat than the Beyond Burger. The Impossible Burger has eight grams, which is actually more than even the 80-20 beef burger. Here's the thing though, when it comes to cancer prevention, and this is where nutrition gets really complicated, it's probably gonna be a better choice because beef is a class one carcinogen. We probably should be reducing our beef intake. 
That being said, I do choose to buy the beef bur- or the Beyond Burgers uh, probably every other week. So we'll kind of, maybe we'll do uh, beef fajitas one week and then the next week I'll use a Beyond Burger in a recipe. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're not always eating beef. We're kind of going back and forth. All right, so what's yours? Uh, I added egg substitutes, uh, mm-hmm. a food that in my throes of dieting was a staple in my in my house. Um, and you're just missing out on key nutrients such as the yolk and vitamins A, D, E, and K. So those are all of your fat-soluble vitamins that are, we, we know the fat in an egg comes from the yolk. And um, yeah, it's just a lot of nutrition in the yolk. I mean, we've blasted, you know, science has proven, um, you know, that the cholesterol in eggs uh, does not, you know, you know, correlate with blood cholesterol levels. And, and so the cholesterol guidelines have really gone away. Um, and just anecdotally, egg substitutes, they just don't stay good as long as regular eggs that are like in the shell. I actually gave myself the only time I've ever had food poisoning I gave to myself mm-hmm. from egg substitutes <laughs> in college. I made, I will never forget it, Gina. I made a French toast um, with egg substitute. Uh-huh. I was so sick. I mean, just like rocking in my bed, hugging a bowl, just (laughs) vomiting and vomiting. And I had a a final the next day and I was not prepared before the food poisoning. And then with the food poisoning, I ended up um, getting an extension on it. Thank God. It was my nutritional biochem class. I will never forget it. And my teacher knew I was struggling and she thought I was lying so bad about the food poisoning. And I remember telling my roommate, you take a picture and you send her this. Like, I just remember just (laughs) desperation. Oh my gosh. Um, Was it just old, the egg substitute? Had you kept it? I mean, what happened? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, whereas how long are eggs good for in the fridge? I want to say two weeks. Don't quote me on that. I feel like they're good for longer than that. Okay. Look, I live with a food service freak, a food safety. I mean, he is, oh my gosh. Gina, how long has that been out on the counter? Gina, look at what temperature our refrigerator's at right now. Gina, I mean, (laughs) seriously, like you think I'm joking. (laughs) I think Nick would not survive in my house. (laughs) Probably not. Um, I told you the story when we lived with his mom for a couple months when we moved. She, this is terrible. She thaws her chicken out on the counter. uh Don't do that. Yep. It would irk him. Thankfully, it was actually for the dogs, so he didn't care. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Oh my gosh, too funny. <laughs> All right. So next on, on our list is no nitrate meats or nitrate free or uncured. And I'm just going to say this. It's in our health halo section, if that gives you any hint as to what's to come. But this is a little teaser for our Q&A because someone wrote a question about this and we're going to leave it for that. So you're going to have to come back and listen to our answer on the no nitrate, uncured, uh, basically deli meat and processed meats. But again, hint, hint, it's in our health halo uh, section of this of this podcast episode. All right, moving on. Grains. What do you got? Uh, health halo. Anything labeled as skinny. Uh, I think of like skinny girl popcorn, which tastes good, but it's really just a portion thing. It's a portion tactic. Um, I ran into this with the skinny margarita. I'll just leave yeah. it at that. When I talked about it on a past episode, but nearly got sued over that one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. That was one of our first episodes. I remember. Yeah. Oh my gosh. But I would say generally speaking, anything that's labeled as skinny is, a, a portion ploy. Um, 
or mm-hmm. tactic, and it might be slightly lower in sugar or fat, but that's all I'm going to give it. Mm-hmm. Nothing yeah. really skinny yeah. about it. But yeah, <laughs> and I just hate the word skinny too. It just hurts yeah. me. Skinny, and of course, everyone buys it up. Skinny, will it make me skinny? Ugh. Right, kind of on that same note, special case cereal. I realize that it's kind of waned in popularity, but do you remember there was a there was like a couple of years there when special K was just all I mean, it, it was uh, everything. A lot to of everybody people still eat it. Trust me, a lot of people I, still eat it. I don't understand it. Okay, so looking at the at the box, so three grams of protein. This is per serving. I don't even remember what the serving is. Let's just say it was one cup. Three grams of protein, three grams of fiber, which is actually considered a good source. Okay. 10 grams of sugar, which is meh, all right. Just no other redeeming qualities. There's really no other nutrients I don't understand. Plus, who is satisfied with one cup of cereal? I I am certainly not. I will be hungry in another hour at least. So I don't know. I just don't understand it. Plus, I will say, you know, since Special K came out with all their cereals, you know, I think at the beginning, they just had the, the basic Special K with the, you know, dried strawberries. Since then, they've probably heard a lot of dietitians and other, you know, public, lay public, you know, customers with their feedback, you know, where's the protein? Uh, I don't know what's redeeming about this. So they've actually created a whole line of special case cereals. So you can actually go to the the cereal aisle and find, you know, plus extra protein or plus extra who knows what or less sugar. They've got a wide variety of options now because- the special K original is just inferior, is my opinion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Interesting. Or, yeah. I have granola bars, Nutrigrain bars, basically yeah. any type of a snack bar that's labeled potentially with, again, with real fruit or it'll say 100% whole grain. Um, you know, just looking at the Nutrigrain bars, for example, first ingredient, okay, whole grain oats, then enriched flour, soybean oil, and then You've got another flour and then sugar, dextrose, fructose. So sugar isn't in the top, you know, couple of ingredients, but it's the next many and adding up to 12 grams of added sugar. Yeah. Is that crazy? Not necessarily. But when I consider how much satiety I'm going to get Mm. from a nutrient bar, kind of (laughs) like that cup of cereal, I'm going to be hungry soon after. Chewy bars, very similar. I would say they're just tiny. For me, it's just not substantial enough for what it is. So 19 grams of carbohydrates, seven grams of added sugar, only one gram of fiber with one to two grams of protein. I, I That's just, it's not impressive. The whole whole grain, I mean, that's, there's nothing redeeming, I would say, about granola bars, generally speaking. Yeah. I would say the mainstream ones. If you are looking for just some guidelines on granola bars, looking for something 100 to 200 calories, maybe even towards the upper end of that, just so that you're getting in something a bit more substantial with some staying power, four grams of protein or more, three grams of fiber or more, and less than 10 grams of sugar. Oh, yeah. I like those guidelines. I think think going back to the chewy bars, I'm thinking to myself, what about, you know, kids? I For me, that wouldn't be enough. And I I would need two, which is going to be about 15 grams of added sugar mm-hmm. uh, and still only, you know, maybe two to four grams of, of protein and two grams of fiber. So still not great. But what about my kids? Would they, but they probably, those things are so small. Even my children would eat one of those and be hungry again 30 minutes later. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I just don't see the, the benefit of a, of a chewy bar or a basic granola bar. All right, the next one on my list is instant oatmeal, especially the flavored kind. 
Again, kind of going back to what I said about the Special K, they do make a lower sugar or higher protein and then, of course, a weight control one. But if you see that they make other versions of the original, you might want to consider that the original is a bit inferior. I would also say, going back to serving sizes, have you ever (laughs) just used one pouch? I mean, you put that thing in a bowl, you cook it in the microwave, it ends up being about four tablespoons, four bites. Of oatmeal. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would say if I ever ate instant oatmeal, I'd probably need three to actually keep me full for a few hours, especially the original kind, because it just doesn't have much protein and really not much fiber either. Uh, So one pouch has 12 to 15 grams of sugar. Okay. That in itself is fine. But then considering, like I just said, I personally would need two or three to actually keep me full. That ends up being quite a bit of sugar. Uh, They do make a less sugar one. And I just looked it up and they actually use monk fruit. I believe they used to use maybe aspartame or something like that. So it is kind of nice. They use monk fruit. I'm a fan of the monk fruit, natural, you know, um, non-nutritive sweetener. And then the fiber one, of course, it's not, it's not an intact whole grain fiber. It's not like they're adding extra oatmeal. No, no, no. They're actually adding inulin, which again, all I think of is just farts and uh, <laughs> bloating. <laughs> but you know, if you have, if, if you don't think you're getting enough prebiotics in your diet, that could be, I guess, a benefit, but the protein one. So they basically just add protein powder to their original instant flavored oatmeal Honestly, you can, it is really not much more inconvenient to just keep a one fourth to one half cup scoop of, um, or a measuring spoon in your, or measuring cup in your oatmeal canister, put it in a bowl, just like you would the instant oatmeal, add the water, just like you would your instant oatmeal and nuke it in the microwave. And then for extra protein, add some protein powder if you want a lot less cheap that way or a lot cheaper that way, a lot less expensive. And it's going to, in the end, be more uh, nutrient dense in the long run. So just not a a huge fan of the instant oatmeal. (laughs) I have one more on there. Um, Annie's mac and cheese. Again, I think it's just Annie's labeling that and marketing Mm -hmm. that makes it look like a healthy option. I I don't even remember what I believe, I mean, they have an organic version. I mean, that would be a health halo around Annie's mac and cheese. But when you compare it to an off-brand, there is absolutely no difference. But what kind of mac and cheese do you buy? Okay. I totally fall for this gimmick. I generally buy the Annie's because it's labeled organic. Now, here's the thing. Some people might just prefer organic. They might prefer organic milk, organic products. They don't want the, you know, um, artificial colors and flavorings. They're trying to support the environment, whatever. Okay. I get that. And maybe that's a little bit of why I do it too. But in the long run, when you're looking at the actual label and nutrition facts, there isn't going to be a difference, generally speaking. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's very much a health halo, but I'm not saying you're wrong for choosing it. I generally choose it too, probably generally because it's not much more expensive. So if if, if I'm going to be helping the environment in a way by making an organic choice, and, you know, getting less artificial coloring and flavoring. Sure, I'll buy it if it's not much more expensive. Why not? Um, but is it going to be less salt, less fat, less this, that? No, it's it's really not. Mm-hmm. And that kind of brings us to the next one. So the next category is snacks or other. And, and I have, 
as my first one, just the, uh, the label organic or natural. It can still be very nutrient lacking and energy dense. It just may not have anything artificial or synthetic in it. Like I just said, perfect example. Have you heard of the new, I guess, peanut butter cup now has an organic peanut butter cup. Have you seen this? No. <laughs> okay. So I did compare the two. So there's now, our, oh gosh. And, and also I heard about this on a morning news broadcast and and she even said when she was talking about it, she's like, oh, it's just really exciting that they created a new, healthier version of, of peanut butter cups. And I was like, no, it is not healthier. All right. So peanut butter cups, I look, the regular peanut butter cups have more sugar than the organic. Okay. But the regular peanut butter cups also have less fat, less saturated fat, and more protein. So it really depends on what you're looking for in the long run. They're about the same. But again, if you're looking to avoid artificial or synthetic additives, flavorings, okay, choose the organic. I wonder how they taste though, because I am a huge peanut butter cup fan. And if you're messing with my flavor, I don't know, it makes me a little nervous. (laughs) And I'm just going to keep going. So other labels that you might want to watch out for, like you mentioned, Nicole, cholesterol-free, it really means nothing at this point. Science has shown, studies have shown the cholesterol on your diet does not actually correlate with the cholesterol in your blood. Therefore, it doesn't make a difference if you see something like peanut butter that says cholesterol-free, which by the way, there should never be cholesterol on your peanut butter because there's no animal products in your peanut butter. Uh, it's really saturated fat that you need to look for if you're trying to watch your um, your cholesterol numbers. Also, gluten-free. I think people still fall for this, oh, it's gluten-free. It doesn't mean low carb, first of all. In fact, it generally means more carb. Gluten is a protein, not a carb. It just happens to be found in carbohydrate foods like wheat, barley, and rye. Another one. Okay, so gluten-free labels. Generally, they add more sugar, more salt because you're missing that gluten texture, mouthfeel. So they got to make up for it somehow like they do with the fat-free foods. Also keto. I, I know that's a big thing now. And here's the thing about keto products. They mostly contain, contain fillers, artificial flavorings, and it really leaves you wanting more because your biology is made to eat and crave carbs. You will eventually make up for it. It's, it's almost impossible not to. If you are going, if you're eating keto products all day long, if even if it takes months, you're eventually going to realize your body is going to say, I can't do this anymore. Give me carbohydrates now. And then you will overcompensate by eating all the carbs. It's going to happen eventually. Now, here's the thing about keto products. One keto product a day, I would say is generally fine. But a day's worth, I do believe, could add up to cholesterol trouble. And again, a body create craving everything in sight. Yeah. So what do you got? Okay. I very popular sea salt and I use it as well because sometimes I like the texture of it. However, thinking that it's healthier or lower in sodium is is just not the case. If, if it is lower, it's negligible. Both table mm-hmm. salt and sea salt contain about 40% sodium by weight. So that again, the sea salt may include higher amounts of things like potassium, calcium, magnesium, but difference is probably minimal. Um, so if you're doing it for a lower sodium, you're you're misled. Or hold on, let me let me get this right. Correct me if I'm wrong. If you if you have a teaspoon of sea salt and a teaspoon of regular salt, 
the volume is going to be the same, but the weight's going to be different because the regular salt will weigh more. Right? Right. Because it's a finer grain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so teaspoon to teaspoon, the sodium would actually be less in the sea salt, but weight. But people to- end up using more. Exactly. Because of yes. that. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. I know I've done that. I'm just like, oh, it's sea salt. Here you go. Just throw it all on. <laughs> well, and I think of if I'm making like a chocolate bark or something that I, I want like a sweet, salty combo, like I will sprinkle sea yes. salt because I want that coarser grain. Um, but that's, it's just like bougie dessert stuff that I think of. There's nothing that I, or maybe like a, a fancy dinner roll that you want some texture with it. But if you're nutritionally speaking, no. I mean, especially if you're putting it in a grinder. Um, yeah. Uh, another one, sugar in the raw. I would say it just, it maybe looks healthier. It definitely has that kind of marketing spin to it. It'll say, you know, maybe natural or um, potentially organic. But really the molecule, is the sucrose, it, it's a simple carbohydrate, four calories per gram. Uh, it's definitely added sugar. So yeah. Um, another one it, I think, oh, sorry. Go I was going to say, but it's, it's in a brown container. It's, it's got to be healthier, right? It's, it's got to be healthier. <laughs> and again, I love it for the texture. Like I think if I'm making muffins and I want to just sprinkle a bit of something on top to not because it's healthy, but because I just want to. Yeah. Uh, I love that texture. I think it's fun. Uh, but to replace like one to one sugar, like sugar in the raw with just gr- granulated sugar, it's yeah, mm-hmm. not not that health. There's no health halo there, or there is a health halo. It's just unwarranted. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, vegetable oil, vegetable oil. I think people, again, it's like just called vegetables. So people think, oh, that's the healthy choice for me. Vegetable oil is very high in saturated fat. Um, Always blows people's minds. Um, Anything else to add on vegetable oil? I just. You know, I think even I sometimes get confused. Like what's the difference between vegetable oil, corn oil, and canola oil? Are they essentially the same? Because I. When a, when a recipe calls for vegetable oil, oil, I'll generally use canola oil. I mean, does canola oil have less saturated fat? Yes. I want to actually say it does. Okay. Okay. Substantially. Um, oh, really? I didn't know that. Oh, of course I'm going to say that and then I'm going to be wrong. Okay. Okay. I, you I go on with Google. your next one. I'm going to look it up. Okay. Cool. Uh, my next one is, <laughs> and this one just came to me, actually a dietitian at work <laughs> was comparing um, baked chips to like a regular Lay's potato chip. and You kind of said it earlier, Gina, but it kind of comes down to your health goals. Uh, The baked chips are actually quite a bit higher in both carbohydrate and sodium. Uh, So I would Mm -hmm. say when we hear of like a baked chip, it's going to be advertised as lower in fat, um, but it it may and probably therefore lower in calories. But again, depending on your health goals, that may not necessarily be a benefit. Yeah. Yep. I didn't no, agree. Yeah, I did. I didn't find anything specific that actually gives the numbers, but it, I have seen an, numerous articles basically saying canola oil is the better choice when you're comparing canola versus vegetable oil. It's because it's much less uh, saturated fat. So they're not giving me any numbers, but I'm going to trust that that is accurate. Okay. I'm, gonna, I'm looking as you go on because I have nothing to yeah. add to the next section. <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> Uh, so Nicole inadvertently uh, deleted this section and then failed to go through and add to it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I just decided, you know, we have health halos, but we also have foods out there that we think of maybe as not good for us. But in reality, they're actually very health promoting. 
I'm not going to say that this first one is necessarily very health promoting, but I think that Uncrustables get a bad rap. I mentioned this in our episode with Maggie, the dietitian with the school lunch program. I, I don't know. I always thought that Uncrustables were just something you should never put in your kids' lunches. But I started buying the ones, specifically the ones that have less sugar. And I compare the label to perhaps if I made a peanut butter and jelly sandwich for my kids. There's only eight to 10 grams of sugar. My kids like a lot of honey and a lot of jelly. If I made them a peanut butter honey or a peanut butter and jelly sandwich on wheat bread, which by the way, bread generally has some sugar in it too, it would probably come out to about eight to 10 grams of sugar. And then also the Uncrustables have six grams of protein, which I would argue is actually more than the amount of protein they would get in a homemade peanut butter and jelly or peanut butter honey sandwich. So a quick, you know, I would say I probably put Uncrustables in my kids' lunches twice a week. And I do not feel bad about that in the least because sometimes I just don't feel like that's the only thing they eat, by the way, is peanut butter and jelly or peanut butter and honey. They will not eat anything else. Um, and that's okay. It's easy. I, I don't mind that at all. I, I know they're getting some nutrition from the, from the whole grain bread and the uh, peanut butter. Sometimes I'll actually sneak in some almond butter in there. But yeah, Uncrustables are a quick, easy, um, convenient thing to throw in your lunches. And I think that they're just a fine option. The next one I have on here is just things like potatoes, bananas, carrots. I really believe that back in, you know, the 90s when the glycemic index was real big, the glycemic index put a lot of these foods to shame. The glycemic index is actually based on an unrealistic portion size. So then they created the glycemic load, which tells a very different story, especially for foods like carrots. Carrots have a high glycemic index, but the glycemic load is actually right in that, you know, healthy uh, uh, range. I do not talk about the glycemic index or glycemic load or even think about it at all with anybody. But if you are someone who does, I or if you have that stuck in the back of your mind, like a lot of people I know, they'll talk, you know, you eat bananas, you eat carrots. And I know it all stems from that glycemic index. And they're actually very healthy foods, even potatoes, one of the best sources of potassium. We're not getting enough potassium in our diets. To put any fruit or vegetable in the category of, you know, unhealthy or non-nutrient dense or bad is just, I don't know, mind boggling to me. Any fruit or vegetable is going to be good to add to your diet. Did you find anything? Um, okay, so it's neither or as high as I thought, but oh. so the vegetable oil has two grams of saturated fat and canola is one. Okay. So it has half the, yeah, the saturated half. fat. So not the numbers weren't what I thought, but it is, yeah, half. And and considering that a lot of recipes, I mean, oil, sometimes you're adding a lot, mm-hmm. especially to a, a saute or, yeah, especially someone like my husband who likes to add a lot of oil to things. I try to tell him not to, <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So good. I make, I'm making the better choice with my canola oil. All right. I wanted to also add, um, I'm, a, I'm a big advocate of Health Action Newsletter from the Center for Science and the Public Interest. They talk a lot about these different health halos, and I think it's just a really informative newsletter if you're interested in getting a subscription. I will say they do, in my opinion, talk a little bit too much about weight, and they're mm, heavily diet culture influenced, in my opinion, but I just try to ignore that part and look at the science that they're talking about with different products in other nutrition topics as well. It's just a very, very well done uh, magazine slash newsletter. 
All right, on to Mom Wins, our favorite new products. Nicole, what do you got? Was very excited about this one. Um, Pesto salmon pasta. I found it, I think, on Pinterest, but um, I have never done this with salmon before. But you, I just did a bit of salt and pepper on in skinless salmon fillets, I should say, and then you um, dredge it in flour, and then just uh, it was one tablespoon of uh, olive oil, one tablespoon of butter in your pan, and um, it just created. It was just inter- it really kind of trapped the the moisture of the salmon in there, and it just cooked beautifully. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you kind of throw that off to the side, and then in your skillet, it was um, oh my god, it was pesto. There was some a oh, wine, a little bit of white wine, mm-hmm. pesto, and then um, cream, just mm-hmm. a bit of cream, and you just kind of cook that down a little bit, and then add in your pasta and your salmon that you kind of chunk up. My whole family devoured it. Yum. Great. Now, what yes. kind of pasta did you use? I used what I had on hand, which was a, it's, I don't know what shape it is. It's its not a tube. It's like a long piece of pasta that has a twist to it. It's weird. It's I find it at all okay. But is it far, really, farful? No, no, no. Okay. I know. I think I can picture it. It's I not farful. Far, I didn't farful use anything fancy. I just, honestly just used what I had on hand, which was just white pasta. Nice. Yeah, it's perfect. We've been doing a lot of pasta in our house lately, and I am totally okay with it. I went way too long in my life saying I didn't like pasta just to kind of get people off my back when I didn't want to choose the high carb, you know, item on the menu. But I actually seriously love pasta, and I am proud to say that. I right. And I like, <laughs> I love pasta too. I, and I will say pasta is one of those like 50-50 I'm on. Like 50% of the time I'm going to do whole, whole wheat pasta and 50% I just want the white stuff. Okay. Um, I never do the whole wheat pasta. No? <laughs> I will admit never. If I'm going to choose a pasta that may be a little bit more nutrient dense, I choose one and I kind of go back to my fear of, you know, my creeping A1C. I choose the Barilla Plus, which has more protein in it. Oh, I, that's the only one I buy. If it, Unless I'm buying from Aldi, that's the only one. I, could, I think it's yeah. so good. It is. You can't even tell. I mean, it's I'm getting more protein. Great. Why not? Does it and have my Omega 3s too? No, I don't think so. Ooh, that would make me, unless it, they're used flax or something to, to do that. No, it, it does. They don't. They might have one that does though. Hmm. I wonder what they use for the omega threes. I just had this fear that it would taste like fish. <laughs> oh my! They probably just butter. add. Ah, yeah. Oh my gosh. Ah, oh my gosh. So terrible. They don't make that anymore. You know. I've not God. seen. That. I know. <laughs> it was. It was so awful. When you got a good one, though, it was so good. But oh, there were good ones. One, there were there were good ones. I was addicted to it for a while, and then it started oh. going downhill. Remember, I wrote I wrote into the company. Nick and I, we were so mad because that was our favorite peanut butter. I wrote into the company a few times. They sent me new ones. They even sent me a new one once that was also terrible. I was like, okay, we're done. I give up. Yeah. That is funny. All right. So I made your veggie enchiladas from your website. We'll put the, the link in the show notes. I did add some fake meat. So again, I'm always trying to, when I see a recipe that just is tortilla and vegetables, my mind goes to, okay, where can I add some protein? I added some just ground up fake meat. I don't even know what I want to say. It was probably beyond, but I, I don't even know. It doesn't matter. They were delicious. Now here's the thing. Here was the mom fail. I ordered online at our local grocery store and I asked for enchilada sauce. I put enchilada sauce in my cart. Well, they were out of it. So they sent me a picture 
We're out of enchilada sauce. Does this replacement work? I didn't even look at it. I'm like, yeah, that's fine. Whatever. I just want enchilada sauce. They gave me not a mild enchilada sauce, but a medium. And it was spicy. It was so spicy. And I was trying to make this for my kids. So I did not, I was terrified to add a lot. So I, I think I halved the amount of enchilada sauce that your recipe called for. It needed more clearly. Uh, so they were a little bit dry, but that was not any fault of yours. It was just because I was terrified that the sauce was too uh, spicy, which it was. <laughs> um, so I'll make it again and actually choose a mild enchilada sauce, but they were really, really good. They enjoyed them a lot. Good. Yes. All right. So coming up on April 4th, we will be dishing about how to raise adventurous eaters with the co-owner of Feeding Littles, Megan McNamee. Until then, keep in touch with us on social media at Dietitians Dish Podcast on both Facebook and Instagram. And check out all of our episodes and show notes on our website, dietitiansdishpodcast.com. Also, please tell your friends about us. They can find us on numerous outlets such as Overcast, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Pocket Cast. If you listen on iTunes, be sure to leave us a review. We promise it only takes a few seconds. All right, Nicole, until next time, be well, you and everyone listening. And Nicole, we'll talk to you soon. Take care, Dina. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening for the podcast. Bye-bye.